All right. Well, as our pastor is traveling abroad, um, it is my pleasure once again um, to call to the pulpit and to introduce um, a young man who has actually become quite a regular here. I think this is the third time he's preached here in the last few years, uh, the Reverend Chris Reed. And Chris currently serves as the Associate Campus Minister at Howard University in Washington, D.C. Um, and it's been a, a real joy to see what the Lord has done there at Howard University and how he's growing the people there and growing this ministry. Um, and it's just so wonderful to see young people uh, coming to learn rich spiritual truths truth. So, uh, Chris, we welcome you now this morning. We look forward to hearing you preach from the Word. Welcome, brother. Good morning. morning. I must say what a joy it is to be with you all this Sunday. I feel like it was just a short time ago that we were together. So I thank God for the opportunity to join you uh, once again. This morning we look at the book of 1 Peter. Please turn with me there in your Bibles. Chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 22. And we'll read the first few verses of chapter 2 as well. I'll give you a moment to turn there. This is Peter speaking. He says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This here is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was some years ago, Dr. Carl Menninger, a noted doctor and psychologist, He was seeking the cause of many of his patients' ills. And so one day he called in his clinical staff and proceeded to unfold a plan in his clinic, an atmosphere of creative love. All patients were to be given large quantities of love. No unloving attitudes were to be displayed in the presence of the patients. And every nurse and doctor was to go about their work in and out of the various rooms with a loving attitude. The findings? At the end of just six months, the time spent by patients in the institution was cut in half. Because how many of us know that love is transformative? Love has the unmatched ability not only to conform, but transform. Love brings healing to a wounded heart. Love can renew aching bones and revive tired muscles. We're we're living in a time where many humans desire to be transformed, to be changed. Many of us have made vision boards and New Year's resolutions for change. Many of us 
have set goals for ourselves and long to improve or arrive at the best representation of ourselves. Spouses might want a few of their significant other's habits to change. Parents may want their children's shenanigans at school to change. But what's often forgotten is that true transformation must come on the backside of real love. Church family, can I give you the good news of the Christian faith up front? Through the love of Jesus in the gospel, you and I have been transformed. We've been made new. We've been made into a new creation. Through the love of Jesus, we've been graced with new identity. Through the love of Jesus, we've been called to new activity. And if you look down your road, you'll see that through the love of Jesus, you've been drawn into a new community. We're now members of the family of God. But it begs the question, how are we who have been transformed by the gospel supposed to live in this gospel-believing family? Truly, this is what the Apostle Peter addressed in his first letter to the churches of the dispersion. Remember, Peter is writing to a group of Christians known as elect exiles. They've been rejected by the world, but, but elected by God. And Peter writes to encourage, despite being sojourners in society, you're God's chosen instrument to bring the good news to the nations. Like you and I, they've been chosen by the grace of God, ransomed by the precious blood of Christ, born again to a living hope, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. They've been pulled from all different backgrounds and now brought under the one banner of the Lord Jesus. They're members in God's family. And this new status in God's family leads to new habits in God's family. Therefore, while Peter wrote in verses 13 through 19 about the church's conduct in the public sphere, in our passage today, he shifts his focus to our conduct in relation to one another. Peter is concerned with our witness outside the church, but does not want us to become laxed in our love inside the church. As the family of God, we're called to live distinct, faithful lives for Christ as we anticipate our heavenly reward. Award. Thus, how are we who have been transformed by the gospel supposed to live in this gospel-believing family? Well, Peter teaches us in this text, our transformation in Christ should lead to genuine and lasting love for one another. In our passage this morning, Peter shows us the importance of real love. And he opens by telling us, Since we've been cleansed by the gospel, we ought to show genuine love to brothers and sisters who share in the gospel. Verse 22, if you see it, he begins, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. In the very first verse of the passage, friends, Peter gives you and I shout-worthy news. As God's people who have been wonderfully loved by the Lord, our souls have been purified. What a fun word. The word purified has rich biblical history and imagery. To purify paints the picture of being cleansed, refined, set apart from former impurity, and devoted to God himself. 
To purify is to be made clean, to remove contaminants. And Peter wants you and I to know here at the beginning that by our obedience to the good news of Christ, we have purified and cleansed our souls from past impurity. We've been given a new heart, a clean soul. And this is beautiful because does anyone remember what your heart was like before you met Jesus? Before we obeyed the gospel, our hearts were filled with everything. Impure motives, sinful desires, harmful lusts, and selfish ambition. Prior to following Jesus, the way we spoke towards other humans was both partial and prideful. But when we heard the good news that we were dead in trespasses and sins, following the ways of the world, but God, out of His abundant mercy, sent His one and only Son to give Himself for us on the cross and raise on the third day in order to forgive us and reconcile us back to the Father. When we submitted to that truth, our souls, were purified. By the grace of God, His Word has cleansed us. The Gospel message has changed us. The Gospel has transformed our minds, our desires, our actions. It's, it's reoriented our lifestyle. Often the belief is that if we just dig down deep enough, try harder and work diligently, we will be capable of renewing ourselves. But may we in the church be the first to admit that we did try harder. And if we could clean ourselves up, we would have done it in 2005. But it has only been the love of God poured into our souls that has cleansed our souls, changed our hearts, transformed our lives. Is there anyone thankful this morning that you're not the same human that you used to be? Anybody grateful that you've got a clean soul? Anybody who will praise Jesus? I know we're in a Presbyterian church, but will <laughs> praise Jesus that by our obedience to the gospel, we now have a clean heart. And the purpose of this purification, Peter says, is that we would have sincere love for one another. Sincere brotherly love. That the gospel would push us, compel us to love one another deeply with the love of Christ. Transformation in Christ, Peter would say, is not only for personal holiness or merely having a nicer looking family. But Christian living is incomplete if we are not changed in how we view and treat fellow believers. It was our Lord Jesus himself who said, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And likewise, John the Beloved, he said, Let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Therefore, because God is love, and we are recipients of His love expressed in the gospel, God has positioned you and I to model to the world what true love is. Furthermore, since we are now members of God's family, there are familial obligations, including sincere love, in the community of faith. Thus, Peter gives the charge, having prepared yourselves to love, love one another deeply from your new heart, inside the four walls of the church, in your community, in your home, love one another. Love each other fully and rightly. This includes cultivating affection for one another and loving action towards each other. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, 
Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be devoted and loyal to one another. As one commentator wrote, nobody knows the importance of community better than exiles living in a foreign land. For community, it gives refuge, strength, and identity. Therefore, we must follow Jesus' example by truly loving one another. And while the call to love the church can become familiar, Peter names two distinctives of our love that can easily be neglected, yet are crucial for us as a missional community. First, our love is to be sincere. Having purified your souls for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. To love sincerely is to let it be genuine, authentic, real without hypocrisy or pretense. We know that pretense is attempting to make something that is not true appear that it is, which is what Jesus often preached against in the Pharisees of his day. But Peter says that our love ought to be without pretense. It ought to be without pretending. Because Peter knows that even as the redeemed people of God, we know we're to love one another. But it can be easy for our love to become automated instead of sincere. We know cognitively we're supposed to love, but we can come to church without truly loving each other. We can desire to be known as loving, we'll say loving phrases, do loving actions, even throw on a nice Christian loving face without having real love in our hearts for those around us. And so we end up loving out of obligation for our reputation instead of gospel transformation. It becomes faked for our own gain instead of from a pure heart. The story is told of Marie, a young woman who broke off her engagement with her fiance. A short while after the breakup, she wrote this letter of lament to her ex. Excuse me while I get into character. Dear's Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking our engagement. Please take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. Congratulations on winning that state lottery. <laughs> Friends, this is not sincere love. But Peter pushes you and me towards a love that is real. Love that is not only in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Thus the, questions become, the question becomes, is your love for people authentic? Is it for real or is it for your reputation? Has Jesus actually transformed the way you love other humans? Peter says, first, our love is to be sincere. However, our love is also to be earnest. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Earnest speaks to the depth of our love and the duration of it. It, it ought to be strenuous. There, there has to be some effort, but, but it should also be constant and enduring to the end, unshaken by adversity and unmoved by circumstances. Remember Paul? He said, bear with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Surely, earnest and constant love in the Christian community is very hard. As we've experienced, like any relationship, there's struggle and strife. It requires hard work. And because of this, 
People who belong in the community have become tired and would rather distance themselves from the communal aspect of our faith because of hard church relationships. I'm on the college campus. I see it every day. But Peter reminds you and me that what will enable us to love one another earnestly is seeing ourselves as the family that we truly are, brothers and sisters in the Lord. How we recall that we're not just a gathering, but we're actually the family of God. You know, families don't give up on one another when seasons are rough. Families continue to love through the pains and challenges of life because they understand that they're tied to one another. This is the love we're to have in God's family. As a parent who would never give up on your child, extend just a tiny measure of that same faithfulness to your church family. To my young people with siblings, I, I have a sister for the last 27 years of my life. I've heard, Chris, stop touching my stuff. You're in my personal space. You're touching me when I don't want to be touched. And I just want to say, ah. But even after we argue and get annoyed with our siblings, at the end of the day, aren't we still family? This is the love we're to have in the church. Earnest love, constant love. Who in the Christian community can you work towards loving better this year? If the gospel has truly purified your heart, you can love brothers and sisters earnestly. For this love is essential to our mission as the family of God. But where does this love come from, you ask? In such difficult times as we're in today, how is this deep love possible? Well, Peter goes on to tell us that Christian love that lasts forever comes from the Word of God, which lasts forever. He says, love one another since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. Peter explains that we've been born again, regenerated, given spiritual rebirth, and our love that is genuine and lasting is a byproduct of our rebirth in Christ. Like I said it before, we're a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Not only have we been born again, but we've been born again by a seed that lasts forever. Not a perishable seed that will decay with time. But a seed that is imperishable, eternal, it keeps on going. And this seed is the living and abiding Word of God. God's Word has given us new life in Christ. God's Word empowers us to love one another. The Word is enduring. It stands over culture. It outlasts worldly powers and human glory. And to illustrate this point, Peter quotes the prophet Isaiah. Wow, the prophet Isaiah. So cool. Verse 24 and 25, he says, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. As one scholar wrote, the frailty of humanity with the permanence of God's word. All people, every person. We're like grass. We're here for a season and we're gone. And our glory refers to our beauty, our splendor and fame as the grass withers and falls. Every human's glory and greatness will quickly disappear. And Peter's words here are important because remember, the Christians in 1 Peter are discouraged at the social situation that surrounds them. They're foreigners in a non-Christian society, outcasts in a place that is not their home, where the power and glory and culture that surrounds them seems as if it will last forever. 
But Peter reassures them that humanity is frail. Like the flower of grass, the power and accolades of surrounding culture will not remain, but they're on borrowed time. Therefore, believers ought to hold fast to the eternal word, the gospel. And, and so it is with you and me. There are realities in our society. Realities in our own lives. Trials and troubles that appear as if they'll last forever. For it was the urban apologetic J. Cole. He's actually not an apologetic. He's a rapper. He says, the bad news is nothing lasts forever. And the good news is nothing lasts forever. But what Peter wants us to remember today is that there is one thing that will last forever. One thing that will remain. One thing that when everything else falls and fails, it still holds its power. It's still living and abiding word of God. The gospel. And since the gospel remains forever, we who believe in it will not fade, but we will remain forever as well. So we ought to love one another. Because we've been born again by God's word which stands forever. Now how exactly do we live this out? How can we become the kind of church family that practices sincere and lasting love towards one another? Well, Peter finishes by calling us to cast off the sins that inhibit love and yearn for the gospel which grows our love. Verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2 reads, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. In order to, to be the church that has sincere and lasting love, it, it requires that we reject, take off like a garment, all the actions that inhibit love in the community. Notice Peter's list. He doesn't list the grosser vices of our society, but the destroyers of church community, the spoilers of church community. Each one addresses our relationships. Malice. Using your words to inflict pain on someone, it destroys fellowship. Deceit. Speaking or acting with ulterior motives, avoiding the honest truth. Hypocrisy, insincerity, inconsistency between what we say and what we do, our lives at church and our lives at home. Envy, the displeasure at the success and possessions of others and desiring to see those things destroyed. We see the disastrous consequences of envy every day. Slander, speaking to undermine somebody's character, whether it be gossiping behind their back or insulting them to their face. How many of us have experienced such things in a ministry, a workplace, a friend group, on social media, where the community was spoiled? And while these sins are consistent throughout our nation today, Peter says that these are actually wholly inconsistent with the community of faith. We are born-again Christians, children of God. We've been sanctified by the Spirit, secured by His grace. We've been chosen by Christ to love, called to imitate His love. Therefore, what would it be like to live according to a different standard? If our city was so captivated by our speech, by our taking interest in one another, that it drew them into our fellowship, what if the love we experience in the Christian community was distinctly different from any other place in our lives? You ask Chris, that's great, but how do we get there? 
Well, Peter tells us how to grow like newborn infants. Long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. That phrase, pure spiritual milk, it refers to God's Word. Peter says to crave it, to yearn for it, to long for it, so that you may grow deeper in Christ, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith. Just as the gospel was the means of our rebirth, it's also the means of our nourishment. The Word has power. It's how we mature, how we put off these sins. We aren't to leave the gospel behind, but to go back again and again to the teaching of Jesus. Because it is only by the gospel that we'll mature in Jesus. Peter likens you and me to newborn infants who have a strong desire for milk. He, he says, as a baby has a strong desire for nourishment because it's an absolute necessity. God's word is not optional for the Christian, but it's essential. As an infant must be properly nourished to grow healthy, so it is with the Christian. Therefore, as an infant cries out, we're to cry out for the word. We're to grow in God's word so that we might be strong and wise, courageous, joyful, hope-filled, and spirit-led. Thus the question for this morning, is that you today? Do you long for God's word? Do you hunger to hear his voice? Do you desire to sit at his feet with his gaze upon you? Coffee or whatever you drink in the morning with your Bible and your journal out having His full attention on you as you dive into His Word? Do you love to sing songs and worship from His Word? Do you love to hear His Word preached? May that be your prayer this morning. Lord, no longer do I want to be known as somebody who engages in malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. But I want to yearn for Your Word. I want to grow in You and be loved by You. Why? I've tasted and seen. I've experienced the goodness of, of the Lord. Have you tasted and seen, friends? Have you experienced any of His kindness? How He wanted you before you ever thought about Him? How you were separated from Him due to your sin, but, but He gave His body on a tree so that you guys could be one again. How when you were His enemy, Jesus made you His friend. How, how He's achieved eternal life and security for you. When you experience the kindness of Jesus for yourself, not only does it make you want to grow deeper in His love, but it changes the way you love those around you. Truly the greatest compliment I could ever receive. Chris, I, I can tell you've been spending time with Jesus because of how you show His love to me. Peter says that to love one another, we must long for the gospel to grow us. And as I take my seat, friends, we're reminded today that God has brought us into his own family as sons and daughters. Through his loving kindness, God has chosen us, purified us, given us new birth and eternal inheritance. And because of God's love, he cares about how we love other humans about how we love one another. Love one another, showing genuine and lasting love towards each. You say, Chris, that's great, but I need an example. I need a model. I need a forerunner. One who went before me and led the way of lasting love. Glad you asked. Because in John chapter 13, we have the greatest example of all. 
shortly before he would go to the cross, he called his disciples together for one last meal. Knowing that his hour had come to return the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He was committed to love, despite the cup of suffering he was about to partake of. Remember, this cup was not for his own wrongdoing, but he who knew no sin became sin for you and me. He was born on the backside of a barn in Bethlehem. He lived in humble obedience to the call of God. He healed the leper, raised the dead, gave sight to the blind, restored the broken. But it was there during supper he fed the one who would soon betray him and also took water and a cloth to wash his disciples' feet. This is the model that he left for you and me. Hours later, he would go to that cross, pleading, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The earth quaked, and the temple veil was torn. They took him down and buried him in Joseph's tomb. Friday was a very sad day. Saturday, all hope was lost. But early on Sunday morning, he got up from the grave with all power in his hands. And this Jesus has saved us by his love. Our, secure, our eternity is secure in his love. And through his love, you and I are now empowered to love because he first loved us. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that you have loved us first. Jesus, I ask that we would, we would reflect on how you've loved us lasting love, earnest love, but also pure and genuine love. That you would help us to, to show us how to live that out amongst one another in the family of God. Lord, guide us and that you would bless your holy meal as we're about to partake of to grow us in you and be nourished by you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.